All right, everybody, Driven Minds episode number 14. This is your host, Franz Bowen. Yes, sir. This is your co-host, Travis Weeks. We have another special guest this week, Dustin Edelhertz. Yes, sir. Special, uh, unique guest. I always say um, how I met, you know, our guests. Um, I met Dustin through a a mutual friend of mine, Anastasia Wright, plus um, actually Burner. We call him Burner. Um, Travis's uncle. Oh, Burner Muck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah shout, shout out to the track formers. Absolutely. We did a, um, I think they did an event at a Harmon yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, I forgot. I, honestly, I forgot it went back to that. Yeah, 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 yeah right? Like, I think it was actually the, um, um, if I'm mistaken, NSA's MBS honors for last year's Mount Vernon Music Honors. And we got a chance to link up. And over the time, we got a chance to build. And you, you've um, definitely uh, inspired me just for, like, the, you know, um, all the different fields you have your fingers in. Yeah, I called you like either a serial entrepreneur, but you know, um, you do a you do a lot of stuff. So first of all, I just want to say thank you for coming on board. Yeah, man, the You know, being on the podcast. So first, we want to start off. Where you, where you from? Uh, New York. I mean, I, I grew up upstate, about an hour and a half of the city, uh, north of the city. Uh, it's called Middletown. Okay. New York, yeah, in Orange County, and um, I've been living in Queens like 15, 16 years, you know, since since I came down here. So. Gotcha, gotcha. You're like in the creative type of like uh, businesses as far as music, film, yeah, tech. The, the span of entertainment, um, pretty much, is just that. Uh, you know, I started out in the music industry, but early on, I saw a lot of people that kind of pigeonholed themselves, and you know, this is the kind of game that people can burn out. And then, you know, I saw people get stuck, like the older guys than me. I mean, everything that I learned when I was younger was just by asking these older guys questions. You know, some of the guys that I thought were successful, some that I thought probably weren't but I just wanted to see you right, know right. how it happened and, and what it was so I realized early man you gotta you know keep some things open so that you know especially my first gig uh, was at a reggae record label right, right, right. so doing reggae music I mean I'm not Jamaican I'm not like I listen to everything I know all kinds of music right. but I noticed in time a lot of people was like they start looking at you like oh that's the reggae guy so like early on I started taking other projects even for free I would just jump on an R&B thing or a pop thing and say y'all help out with that just so people know not just a reggae guy, like because right. you know in no time people have something for you. Like, oh, well, it's probably that's not for you. It's it's not a reggae thing. Right. <clears throat> yeah, so, so, yeah, so it's like your your capabilities were kind of um, stifled because you were doing a great job. I guess yeah. it. I mean, yeah, but you, you know, for me, I was like, yeah, let me make sure because because I knew like that would take me down something that eventually you'll hit a wall. Like eventually, some point you you know you max out with that. So I was like, let me make sure some other things to start branching. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're doing multiple genres. Next thing you know, you're doing film, TV, and sports and fashion, and you know you're just branching out with all entertainment. Was cool. And you know, once tech came into the you know, like I was there at the labels when sort of this digital stuff started happening and downloads and you know things were changing. So. It was a good time, obviously, just to be there, and, and nobody else really kind of raised their hand to get involved. So I was like, right. "Yeah, I'll do it." And, and I don't know. I think most people would know the money was. It was like, "Wow, this is this is the next thing," you know. Okay. So, so, so yeah, anytime I saw some technology stuff too, I was like, "Yeah, let me get involved with that." I mean, that's just a personal thing I loved anyway. So, um, but yeah, so I definitely lean towards uh, tech related. But originally, what drawn you to um, what drawn you to music anyway? What drawn you to because that was the first that was the first uh, you could say outlet, right? That, yeah, absolutely. And what label was it, by the way? VP Records. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, I did promotions there. Like started with an internship. Like a lot of people got got offered a job. Like ran out of college, so yeah. everything sounded great. And actually, like early on, I, I got you know I did promotions for Sean Paul, um, Elephant Man, T.O.K. Like. A lot of big projects, it was just a good time for, yeah, for reggae. Yeah. So 
you know. So there was you that was into reggae, or you just yeah. put it in? Oh, that's been my favorite music since I'm a baby. Like, oh, that's like, cool. that's, I don't know, you know. Well, actually, I tell you exactly. Just when I was young, you know, I like to dance, and and the first time I heard some dance, but well, this is like, you know, for me when I'm young, I'm not right. quite young at a different time. But this is where <laughs> you know, Super Cat and and uh, Super you know, Blue Jeans, like being like these these artists came, and I'm like. I just wanted to dance, so I didn't even know it was English. To be honest, man. Like all I heard was like just a really dope, just like Cookie beat. Cookie Monster over a really yeah. dope metal. Like, you know, you know, <laughs> okay, I get it. I mean, the crazy thing is like you know, being upstate too. I would just have to go into the to record shops, pick albums that had like cool artwork. Yeah. I didn't know the artists. I didn't know anything. But I was like, this looks cool. I just get it. Yo, that's interesting. Like whenever I meet somebody who had to like mine for music, like we, we always take it for granted that when you grow up in New York and especially Brooklyn, like all of this stuff is kind of like you're yeah. just picking it off the street. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. You see that, and that's something that like I ended up resenting it when I got to VP later. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I started to see things, and not just internally, but just around the reggae industry itself. And I'm like, that's why I didn't have access to it upstate. You know, and I'm mm -hmm. like, and I'm seeing things that's like, man. It, it could have been different for me, but you know. Meanwhile, I'm like going to sleep at night, leaving my tape on record. Where like David Lee was in the clubs, you know, those okay. like broadcasts. Yeah. I just wake up in the morning, I'm like I got some new music, and and if you're lucky, they would tell you an artist's name or you know. Or you right, right, catch right, 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 right. But it took time before all of a sudden I started realizing like, what well, this? That's English. Like oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and at that point, then I was really hooked because then I was like, wow, like you know the stuff they were saying. Like, but by, by that time, I started some more conscious stuff too, and right. you know, just put them on release. I'm like, wow, this is this that's is cool. Good yeah. stuff. Tell yeah. us about your first uh, oxtail eating experience. You got you got to know you got your chicken food. Yeah, I mean, Jamaican food is probably I'm gonna have breakfast. That's probably my favorite. Uh, you know, some happy saltfish or Jamaican stuff. But okay, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, so, so the VP thing was cool, like I said, but, um, you know, and music was something that uh, when I was in high school, I mean, I, I spent a few days down here with a, with a record exec at that time with Def Jam. Okay. So, you know, she was just kind of, she's a family friend. She's like, oh, if you want to come down and kind of, you know, hang out, work around office a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't really know it was a job. You know what I'm saying? Like that people could do that for a living until that day. So, you know, for me, I, we went, we were at her house for a holiday, actually, at her parents' house, I should say, for a holiday. And like, she gave me some free, you know, record flats, which was something at that time, like free CDs, different things like that. And I was like, man, like, this is free. Like, yeah. and I had my own, you know, at that point, I'm hooking my room up. And I'm like, this is cool. Right. But again, I really think of it like, well, I can do that for a living. Um, but yeah, being there and like seeing it and seeing a couple artists come in and like, you know, Going through people's Rolodex while I was supposed to update people's Rolodex, just doing little things from the office. Right. I was like, it's interesting, but I still didn't. I still wasn't like convinced yet. Like my first uh, major in college was accounting. Okay. But yeah, like after pretty much a semester, that I was like, nah, like I don't want to be there for a living. So. Right, right, um, right. And even you know, even back then, my so what I did was switch my major to mass communications, mm. which my school had a music industry major, but once again, I was like, I don't want to get stuck. So mass communications is going to encompass. All of it, everything, all media, you know. Sure, sure, and that way, like, I'll, I'll get into music if I can, but I didn't want to close myself off either. Right, right. And it did happen with a lot of my friends that, you know, they graduated with a music major, ended up becoming a teacher, or getting a job, you know, just completely something else. Right, and, right. You know, because it's tough, man. Like, there's a few of us that I graduated with that's still in music now, mm -hmm. and a lot of other people that just, you know, had to move to something I, else. So. I think it's dope that you knew early on that you didn't want to, like, get put in a box, you know? A lot of times, when, especially if you're an intern at Def Jam, you might feel like music. Everything I'm gonna just go hard at this, but what made you feel like, especially when you like, what was the first other avenue you stepped in? Was it from was it um publishing or was it film? 
um, oh, the next step outside of music. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, think that. I guess it was just technology stuff because, um, yeah, like, cause like I said, already at the music companies, like I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of like signing those original deals with iTunes, like when all these first companies were there. So I saw that and, and ringtones, like there's all this stuff happening. Um, so right before I left the label, uh, I did a deal with a, with a startup that came out from, like at that time you had companies coming out from you know, San Francisco every day, mm-hmm. meeting with us about our libraries and want to license this, license that, mm-hmm. you know, most of the executives at the time were like, no thank you, no thank you, or we'll wait and see, wait and see. Right, right, right. I got tired of that, man. I was like, you know, basically the, the last straw for me was this guy who came in and real good guy and he was telling me what he was trying to do, who he was meeting with, and you know, they just wanted to play our videos on cell phones. Right. And like, we're sending out videos for free every day. Like we're servicing them, it's like somebody's job to do that. So right. I don't understand why the label's like, uh, let's see this way, whatever. Wow. So I went back downstairs, and then I just told the guy straight. I was like, "Look, they're not going to sign this, but how can I help you?" You know, personally, yeah, I did. And he told me he was looking for some mix show stuff, like some DJs. And I was like, "I got tons of DJs. I mean, I ran promotions, so like every yeah. DJ on our list got there from me." You know, yeah, so right. I was like, "Yeah, that's easy." And um, yeah, like we did a contract then. It was a, it was a small one at that point. Just I had a few DJs, a few channels on their service. <coughs> Excuse me, but. Um, yeah, like within a couple of months, like they increased that contract. They wanted more mixes, mm. and then um, all at the same time, it was like this is uh, like late two thousand five when I did that. But by like early two thousand six, they already increased my contract once, and then separately, I had an artist that was an R and B pop artist outside of VP that I with my, uh, a different partner of mine. Um, we had a deal for her on the table, and then separately, there was a, a Latin artist that I was consulting. He had a deal offered to him from a tech company, mm-hmm. um, and pretty much when I was like, you know what, I'm I'm quitting. You know, I'm I was already making double what they were paying me. You know wow. what I'm saying? And it was like just a sign. And you know, you never know obviously what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I figured, let me just take this chance and take the leap. I left, um, and yeah, like his deal was good. Uh, that company was like the leading uh, mobile content company with ringtones. They were doing uh, mobile games like. You know, little big dad, Christina Aguilera, Ludacris, like Fifty Cent, all kinds of artists with them. So, what they wanted was an original content division, which mm-hmm. was a really unusual thing at that time. You know, but they had a lot of money to throw at it, and mm-hmm. you know, they were excited. So, uh, the guys who had the Latin artists, like, they brought me in just to help. You know, just had the experience on the record label side to be able to communicate everything. Right. Um, and it was good. It was exciting, man. But crazy thing has come. Uh, I would say maybe November. I was at all of it. Like I was right back down to making half what I was making at the label. Because uh, why is that? That company got uh, shut down by the parent company in Japan. They just came down and wrote the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that got shut down real quick. It wasn't even like the original content division barely even started. So that wasn't even a question. Um, and then uh, let me see the. Oh, and then actually at that time it was still I still had the cell phone thing, which with the mixes, whatever. That was still good. So that was like my only income left at that time. Right, okay. um, but uh, come, yeah, and then like before the end of that year, they tripled my contract. I was like, we, we want more. So nice. I was back in business, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, that, that kind of wave, man, like that's something, anybody's on their own, man, it's like you got to ride that wave. So that's why you, you know, you learn early, save money, you don't spend what you make. Man. And, you know, right now I could stop working for a year if I want to. Like, right. That's how comfortable you should be just in case. You know, and I don't know, I mean, maybe there's a day that I'm going to feel so good about the way I make money that, you know, I feel like, oh, this is my salary, but, yeah, I haven't felt that way yet, I mean, I feel like, 
you know, let me just always stay ahead, you know? That's a beautiful so, thing. That's a beautiful I think if we, I even went too fast, you know, really, we just kind of do what we do out here, speak to dope people. But um, explain even to the people, like, what do you do? You know, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, today, presently, presently, yeah. I'm a consultant for uh, different brands. Usually, it's within the entertainment technology space, and I'm pretty much a bridge between the entertainment industry and the tech industry. Um, sometimes it's even a non-tech thing, but people just need access. Some brands and other companies need access to the entertainment industry or some know-how. Um, on the other side, I do business development. So mainly I'm working with startups and early stage companies. On occasion, I'm working with a larger established company that's just looking to expand into a certain area. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, my day-to-day is mostly the consulting stuff where I just keep about three or four clients for that. And then personally, which happened a few years ago, I started to want my own thing, basically, where like I'm, I'm good at playing number two for a lot of clients and supporting people, but I wanted to do something on my own also. So I started uh, Plum Radio, which is the music app that we have. Absolutely. And then, you know, I did start some other things that come and go, and I have, you know, sort of these one-off things that might come up where somebody's looking for some sponsorship, so I kind of just make a connection, and it's like a, a one-time commission or right. kickback kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely a, a percentage of my time that's all about just shaking trees and see what happens, you know? Absolutely. Um, and that, you know you know what I find that to be just great? Because I, I rarely hear, like, I, we speak to a lot of entrepreneurs, different stuff, different people in here, but I really hear, you know, people who talk about how you can, you know, um, you can still walk and chew gum, you know what I mean, with the different stuff, you know, how you went from being with, being with music, seeing the opportunity in the tech world, and then making that move. What do you feel like was the reason why like the label owners at that time or the executive label, the executive manager yeah. didn't see the future at that point? You know, it's hard to even conceive still to this day. I'm like, you know, why wasn't it obvious? But I, I think what I came to see and even looking back at VP and some of the other things I wanted to do there mm-hmm. that they didn't want to do, yeah. you know, for the most part, these companies run by millionaires who've been millionaires for a little while they don't really have the, the need to take risks like that or to even wonder, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, I try to see their side of the story and be like, you know what, if what I'm doing is working, got my money, kind of said, I don't need to rush into anything interesting like that. And I think maybe, and I don't know for myself, but like, is there a time that you reach where you're no longer adventurous because you kind of did the adventure, you got there, and now you're like, I just want to chill now and play it safe. Right. Maybe. And maybe there's some other people, I just haven't met them, that are still, you know, taking these chances, which, actually, I do know, I have a, a client now, also, pretty wealthy guy, he, he loves having fun, so, like, uh-huh. one day, he's like, I want to write a script or a movie, another day, he's like, I want to do an app, like, so, and I, I help him with some of his investments, and, yeah, so he's actually, but, you know, he's a guy who made his own money, I mean, he, he, he was broke, he's a guy who grew up poor, you know, right, right, right. so that might be something, too, where you see more adventure in him, who earned all his money, where somebody else who kind of was put into a position, they don't want to take a chance, maybe, you know? Because they didn't earn that themselves, so maybe they don't know, you know, how to go about earning more if they want. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, you got to try to see both sides of the story. So, Absolutely. yeah, but for me, it was like a frustrating thing. I'm like, hey, you can get some more money, I get some more money. <laughs> right, so when win. Yeah, but, um, yeah. and, you know, and it wasn't like you got to put everything on the line for some of that stuff. But And also, another thing, I guess, for their defense, there was a couple companies that were either fraudulent or, or flopped really hard, and, I don't think it would have hurt them necessarily, but you know, yeah, there was some that I also felt like, okay, some red flags, let's see. But some other ones that were just like no brainer stuff, man, like relax. 
And I don't know, man. I mean, you know, you'd have like some of the people that were higher up than me at that time. If they look back and see how they handled Napster, and you know, see how they decided to move some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's something we had talked about where you know, Universal was selling downloads, ninety-nine cent downloads. Like, yeah. You know, they could have been continuing that. Um, you know, and I. Meanwhile, I pitched basically what could have been Spotify to my record label at that time. That was like two thousand and four or five. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, but. You know, there wasn't something that they were really thinking about. Yeah, that's that's what that's a question I did want to ask. Like, when when you in your career, what percentage of of the time do you think that you spend actually pitching, as opposed to you walk into a meeting and somebody's like, "Yo, I get it. Let's 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 break bread." Yeah. You know, like what, what's what's that um, what's what's that percentage like? And do you, do you feel that um. That it, it, it stifles uh, creativity in business? Uh, well, I mean, let's to define what you mean as far as what stifles. You're talking about like fundraising stuff or, or actually just looking for new gigs or just trying to find new clients or that kind of thing? Um, I think both. Like, because in, in my mind, like, that kind of goes hand in hand. I think, just not to step on the question, but I, I think a lot of the times, you know, um, companies or, or decision makers are afraid to move ahead because they're not sure. How, how it's going to work, and they're not willing to invest the capital in figuring out how, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then on top of that, there's no, like, reward. They, there's no way to, like, really see the reward. But, like, but originally I wanted to know, like, what was your experience, like, what, stepping into these rooms? Like, how receptive are people usually to, to these new ideas? Yeah, I think, I mean, not very receptive for the most part, mm -hmm. but... I really don't spend my time doing that, and I and I hope I don't have to, mm -hmm. honestly. But like, first of all, on the one side of it, I've never had to like sell myself or pitch myself as far as my services. Like, mm -hmm. for over ten years now, it's been referrals only. You know, okay. wow. so when somebody wants to meet with me, they already were told what they should want from me. You know, and, and they already want that basically. Gotcha. And like, maybe I'm lucky. Like, I don't know. I'm that's an awesome position to be in. Yeah, but like. You know, and that's been, like I said, for the most part, that's been my income for these last, you know, since I left the label, like, the last, uh, like, 11 years or whatever it is, or not really, still 10 plus years, so, mm -hmm. um, but the other side of what I'm doing, you know, where I, I call it shaking trees, or you can say I'm, I'm, like, fishing, like, that's where, yeah, you don't really know if anything's going to come from it, but when I go into those situations, I'm actually trying to see, it's, it's like you're kind of looking at your odds before you place a bet, and, like, for example, you know, if I work on a project with you, and I'm, like, you know, I feel like, okay, we're talking about a back-end thing, and I can see money right now, and I do that all the time. Like, and, I, and I'll even work on free stuff, just so I feel like, oh, these, these guys got something going on, something interesting here, let's do it. But I'm still looking at the odds of everything, and I'm like, well, what's the chances, if this doesn't work, who else have I met along that way? What does this add to sort of my resume to where, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. how else can I benefit, if not directly and financially from that project? And like when I told you I was at the label taking music projects for free, you know, I'm inside the label, I got the list of DJs, I got the contacts, like, so if people were like, oh, I got this artist, and I thought it was good, but it was a different genre, I'm like, okay, cool, because I can help this guy out with a little bit of my time, mm -hmm. meanwhile, I'm basically letting everybody in the industry know that I got R&B projects, mm -hmm. so now, somebody who else got R&B is like, oh, let me talk to Dustin, he does that, right, you know, right. so I feel like I've never even taken a loss, even on the projects that didn't make money directly, because it led me to something that still added value, you know? Yeah. To my entity, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, that's that's a tremendous space to be in. Like even being in sales, like you know, they always say that 
I mean, new business is always great. Like that's where a lot of money comes in, but sustainability is just being able to move off of referrals. But I imagine even in that breath, um, you know, it being in a referral based business, it opens like, um, like I guess different adjacencies that you probably wouldn't have done before. So like you mentioned before that you've, you've worked on um, like television production and film. Right, yeah. I mean, that was something where there was a music guy, he hired me to work on his artist projects. I was mm-hmm. doing some marketing stuff for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just at this kind of breaking point, even for him being in the music industry a long time, longer than even I was, mm-hmm. um, where he was more like an A&R producer guy, but, you know, he was like, man, I always kind of want to get into film. And I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's see, you know, but he was dead serious, actually. Like me, I just threw it out there because I was, I was actually into it, but I didn't know how serious he was. But yeah, like in three weeks, he came back. He's like, oh, I got a script. Let's, let's go to LA and let's see what we can do. And I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Why not? I mean, you know, and, and believe me, like that was, that was 2007 and it took until 2011 before we actually sold something. You know, right, right. and it wasn't anything to do with that first script. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, right. you know, we went through, you know, you go to agencies and sit with investors and then we try to partner with producers and we went through a whole lot. But, you know, for those years and whatever even we spent on flying back and forth, what we're doing, that's what you might spend going to college. Actually, we spent less than you probably would spend going to college for that very same field. Hmm. And at the end of that, we got paid the same way anybody else would. So, and we didn't have to start as a production assistant carrying equipment around and dropping people, you know, so, you know, we walked in pretty much as a creator of the show. So, you know, there's different uh, paths to to get to the same. That's a tremendous learning curve, man. Absolutely. Yeah, and like, you know, it's got to be some luck involved, but like I said, I think you got to be strategic on where you put your time and what you do, and I'm sure everybody's story is different, but um, the only thing I can say for me personally was just making sure I have the uh, sort of bandwidth to take on things that interest me or other opportunities that pop up and I'm, you know, I feel like there are certain people, they're so busy, even people I've spoken to that wanted to work on something I'm doing and I had to tell them, honestly, I don't think you have the time for that. Mm. Like you barely can make a meeting or, or, you know, respond to an email within a few days. So the truth is, if if you see me that busy, it's because I'm making all the money I want to make. Like I'm as secure as I ever need to be. Until that day, man, I have to leave some space open. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, I mean, if you're like, I feel like that's what statement you're making when you're that busy. You must be making all the money you want because you don't have any room to work on anything else. You know what I'm saying? Or to, to grow from there. So, you know, yeah, that's just been important to me too. And I manage my time and, you know, got to learn to delegate and you got to let everybody do what they do. So, you know, everything I've done is with partners and with other people. And in terms of like time management, just not to stop with your question, Charles. In terms of time management, what are your criterion um, to in accepting, um, you know, new uh, opportunities or challenges? Like, are there just some things that are just an outright no from the gate, or like what, what's that process yeah. like? I mean, yeah, I'm looking at who's involved. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about your kind of ideal venture to get into, you know, if the person you're working with has been successful in anything, whether it's in the streets, in in, in film, and see whatever he's done before, mm. if they've seen money, it's it's I feel like it's something almost subconscious where when they tell you like, hey man, I got this million dollar idea, if they've made a million before, mm. it's not unlikely for them to see that million again. Mm. Because right. you have to believe it is true, man. And like when a kid comes right out of high school and you know he's never had a job or whatever, and he's like, hey man, I got this big idea, I know he means it and like he wants it. Mm. 
but can he actually visualize taking a check for seven figures and putting it in the bank? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's something that I've always found, like, I will do better if I'm going to back somebody who's seen it before, that believes it, they know it. They're not even thinking about it. Like, right. they got a million here, they look at a million there, you know? So that's one thing that's great. It's not always necessary, but, you know, it's a big thing. And then, yeah, just looking at, you know, what it is, and you take chances. I mean, you got, the other thing, I guess, you got to just know when to cut it, though. That's the thing. So I might jump into a lot of things, but the minute you see some red flags, sometimes they show themselves early, sometimes you might see it later, but you got to move on, you know, sometimes. I don't I don't get too attached to anything, you know, where my heart is in it. And it's something a lot of the other clients have had, and something, especially with music artists, you know, people get really attached, and it's another human being, so it's even easier to have this relationship with them, but right. that's a product, you know, in the end of the day, that artist, and you have to see it that way, and when you feel like there are some red flags there, you might not be able to sell that product, you're not going to get your return on it, you know, you can move on, man, it's, it's hard to do it, it sounds cold, but it's like... Yeah, I heard Charlamagne the God say that the other day, on the oh. interview, he's like, you know, there's a lot of people, not, not Charlamagne, Taxstone, he was saying that, you know, when when uh, music managers sit are sitting down, like yeah, they see the talent, you know, and and they might see the charisma, what have you, but do they see money in you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Do are are you are you in a in a are you poised to be able to generate revenue from your talent? And that's and that's a a skill that you got to develop. I, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you gotta. You definitely should have some experience to base it on. But if you don't, you should be humble enough to ask others who might be able to share with you. You know, mm-hmm. and and some people aren't even open. Like you know, where they look to somebody who's had record deals or done this for x amount of time, and they're like, yeah, but I got it. I got it. I'm right, like, right. Okay. <laughs> and and you know, it doesn't mean that everybody's story can't be different. Like I said, I it's there's nobody in music that will tell you. I knew this, I was gonna make it, it's a fact, I'm I'm good at that, like whatever. There are people who have better averages than others maybe, but you know, Clive Davis has turned down artists that made it, or you know what I'm saying, like yes. anybody you can name any and all sat there and was like, nah. Sometimes it's just a simple choice of like, I don't know if it fits with what I'm into right now. Right, right, right. But um, yeah, I mean, when I see managers, especially when it's like a young artist and there's, there's no money yet, the biggest thing they gotta remember, and this is something where it's hard for an artist to hear it, but there are artists out there that want to build a team, they want to get a manager, get their publicist, all that stuff. The truth is, and this is the easiest way to say it, when that artist makes $100,000 in a year, right? That's a good year for that artist. But that's only 20 grand for the manager. Absolutely. That's not a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Not here in New York, I mean, you know, maybe somewhere else. But, right. you know, so the thing is, that artist has to realize that what they're offering people, if they're making $0 a year, I'm actually waiting till he's making like two hundred thousand just to get my studio apartment, you know. Mm. So, so I look at it. I mean, I feel like, and this is not to to you know change everything overnight, but the whole role of manager, especially with a young artist, it's really a partnership. Mm. And and I've actually consulted towards a lot of clients where I was kind of pushing them down a, a production deal path, which is more of a fifty-fifty deal, which makes more sense at that stage because you really are partners. I mean, you're doing fifty percent of the work each. Because, you know, at a later stage, if you're doing 80% of the work, I'll take 20% of the money. You know what I'm saying? I mind. But if I'm the one out there sourcing leads and, like, I'm, you know, and say we're not even making anything at the same time, and the first check you get is all because of my work, I almost want to give you 20%. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and you're, the, and you're the talent. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it, it really should be balanced as far as, like, you know, who put in what. And so there are some old models that are still kind of, I think, plaguing music industry and probably other businesses too right. that we do need to realize like things have changed and they will always change so it only makes sense that every little aspect of it will change too you know Absolutely. Um, 
and uh, yeah, can't hang on to anything too too hard, man. And you know, even for myself as I go, like I'm gonna always, hopefully, I can always change and, and realize that you know something's no longer working, do something else, you know, whatever it is, stay uh, flexible like that. What's key is that I've seen like um, you're kind of like the perfect example of um, when it comes to building equity or building wealth or building a company, you've you've applied value to yourself rather than like just man hours right like you know most people like they feel like to make money they want to build out put hours on themselves or whatnot they want to um you know work a lot of hours to get to a certain goal it seems like you've made yourself valuable and it attracts everything towards you would you say that's true yeah i mean i'm, I'm definitely not the guy that works 60 hours a week and you know has no personal life like right. I, and even you know Honestly, I, and I'm not going to say this, but that will stifle creativity. They said, I mean, you don't sleep and you don't eat, you don't have any kind of social life or any, you know, any enjoyment outside of your business. Like you probably can't come up with anything else, you know. Yeah. You're just a, a worker drone at that point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, again, maybe there's some people like that's really what they want to do. It's not what I want to do. And and I probably could have made more money maybe in the past if I acted this way or I wanted to put extra time, but. You know, I like my life, man, and like so. You know, yeah. it's um, yeah. I mean, I've never struggled. It's fine, like, but um, I don't. And actually, yeah, I could say like in college, if you asked me, I said, oh, I want to be a billionaire, you know. But yeah, later I was like, I don't really need that, <laughs> True. you know. And I mean, yeah, I'm not. I never turned down money. That's the thing. I'm, I'm not. Uh, you bet. That yeah, never turned down no money. I would sure. never. You know, even like any company out right now, like I'll sell it tomorrow. Somebody call me. I don't mm. care. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Like that's where I said with an artist or anybody, you don't want to be that attached to something. Hmm. Because I'm in it for the money. It's still my job, time and the living, you know? Right, right, right. But at the same time, I still want to live outside of my living. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, so I definitely don't want to uh, do anything to where I, all of a sudden all I'm doing is working and can't, you know? I dig that. Yo, tell us a little bit about your uh, your film projects, man. Uh, that, that's got to be exciting. Like, I mean, although I imagine that there are some similarities, I mean, you know, being in a studio versus like a production set and taking even taking those meetings has to be like a really interesting uh yeah and and i'm still you know i'm not um you know i'm not gonna be in front of the camera for sure but i'm also barely even on sets like that and for us even as far as the deals we've done um you know coincidentally we i think we stumbled onto even a new business model that like we only recently kind of realized it Mm -hmm. um but what we ended up doing after we sold our first series which yeah that was great you know being what was that called uh, i married a mobster Nice. That was uh, on Investigation Discovery. It was their largest series at the time, uh, high nice. grossing, high viewership. Wow. And we did two seasons of that. But what we ended up doing was uh, signing the life rights of some of the characters that we had worked with on that show. Some interesting people had some interesting lives. So, you know, we basically say, hey, which a life rights deal is basically telling somebody, like, you know, whatever your personal story is, like, we think we can sell that. You know, as a TV show, as a film, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So when you sign those lights, you know, those rights over, it gives us X amount of time to go sell that. Once we do, you get that check, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's something that most people, like, they know they have the story, but they don't know how to go about it, what to do next. You know? How, how uh, I guess, lucrative is a deal like that? Like, does it encompass everything from, like, books to film yeah. to... The, 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 the details, I mean, the, the, the nitty-gritty of it is if I have your life rights, you can't even talk about your life without... Me first. That's crazy. There's a term amount, like length of time. Yeah, it is. It, it, okay. it's, it's usually just. And does it cover up to like a certain point? So if I if I was like, hey, Dustin, I had a really interesting experience between the years of 2014 to 2016. Right. You know what I'm saying? Is can you segment it like 
like that in deal um, or yeah, is you know, it? I, actually, I, I couldn't answer that 100. percent I mean, that's probably a, a lawyer question, but mm-hmm. I mean, for us, it, it just didn't really come up because it was pretty obvious. Of like, I guess in those situations, it's usually like, look, this is what I find interesting about your life. I want to try and do a movie about it. So we signed that deal. I never had anybody say, okay, cool, but this part of my life that's different. And someone like in the media wants to interview you about that section and not this section. Like, right. I, I haven't seen that come up. Um, it, it'll be an interesting, uh, you know, discussion. But like most of these people said, they didn't have access to do any of that stuff. So you know, these deals were a chance for them to get a check on something that they lived through. You know, something that they really didn't, you know, attach any money to it, but they knew it could be. Um, but anyway, what you end up doing uh, was selling a book first. Okay. And so, you know, like I said we didn't really plan on it, even though we were open to everything. But um, yeah, we ended up doing it. And the co-author of this first book is my partner that he's running the company. Got to who was doing music, and then we right. started doing the film stuff. So, so now it's he's an author, and we're like, okay, you know, like we didn't really <laughs> plan that. But it just seems that now that he's not only the author, but will also executive produce the project. As we're talking to, to some investors, they're like, and even agents are like, wow, they never come across a film company that not only owns the rights to the book, but actually owns the book. You know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't, I mean, in most cases, a film company will buy those rights. You know, once it's a book that's successful, even if it hasn't mm-hmm. come out yet, a film company said, we want the film rights of that book. Right. You know, but we own the book rights and the film rights. How, how, how um, nitty gritty does it get? Like, even like when it comes to like different languages and, so it's like, can you license for like another language or? Yeah, the just, book itself. You mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That, but that's up to the publisher. Though. Okay. You know, they, they're gonna put it out next amount of languages. Like they know what markets they can go to. That's something like for us. Excuse me. Um, this first release, the first book we have is called The Last Don Standing. Mm. Um, comes out in March. That's where Thomas Dutton books. You know, like same way I told you before, man. Everybody, you gotta let people do what they do best. And like, it's not our job to come in and I'll tell them, hey, this is what we want to do with the book. You know, like. I don't know anything about books to, to tell them. So, but they've done this a thousand times. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's in their hands. I mean, they'll release it in the countries that they know that kind of story will, will work good in. That's and, right. you know, um, but in, from our side, like now that that book deal was done and it's coming out in March, now we're on that race to sell the film rights or if it's TV series, whichever way it comes out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, whether it's happened before or after, like once we do that, it, it may be one of the first times that a film company like I said, wrote the book and they made a movie on it. Mm. Like, like authors are executive producers on films sometimes, but they didn't actually really do anything. It was just kind of like, okay, just you know, a credit, book, yeah. Put it on here. Um, that's so amazing. Cool. Yeah, so then, like, we just sold the second book too, which the, I, sent, I think I sent you a link for like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and it's a whole different kind of story, a whole different thing for us, but it's the same situation. Like, we own the rights across the board, so we'll put that book out. That won't come until, until later, uh, 2017. And then, you know, said, so well, Try to sell a film rights for that too, or a TV show, whatever. That's fire. So yeah. yeah. Do, are do you do much? Um, I guess like market facing because you you've spoken a lot about I guess, uh, for lack of a better phrase, like vendor relationships. So you're you know either knocking on doors or people are referring you to you know these larger um, corporations or companies that are looking for a vision to attach a budget to, right? Do you? Um, do any I guess like market facing like do you do about facing like the people how how does that relationship work with you or do you have like another person on the team that yeah I would say it's not, it's not really me okay um, I'm I'm behind the scenes almost always and you know I'm not the guy that you necessarily uh, send in like the the guy who owns the that company my partner for the film stuff like 
he, he just was in LA now, like barely sleeping and, and meeting with everybody who wants to meet with him, you know? Mm. Um, and, and again, and once, uh, you know, an article came out in Deadline, Hollywood, and then like now people call him, like, hey, let's meet. But even if they're not calling, like say, take us a couple of years ago where people weren't calling, we were calling them. And yeah, anybody who was going to help, you say, yeah, okay, let's do it. And said, if it works, you stick with them. If they kind of cross you in some way, okay, that's done. Next, you know, keep it moving. But but this is a guy who made a ton of money in music, you know, and like I said, when I met him, I knew he was going to make a ton of money in anything he's going to do, you know. And and he's not, he won't sleep, man. Like, it doesn't matter. He will get his check, whatever he needs, you know. So somebody driven like that, man, like, you know, okay, it's a good partner. So for me, I'm just going to be there to make sure he's organized. And he said, you know, the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, you know. Inspired. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a like, a professional term, I guess, uh, called organizational development. It, it sort of describes what I do for people. It's just that term is usually used on a much larger scale consulting mm-hmm. where I'm, you know, except for me, it's more in these startups where it's just a few guys, very small teams, very small budgets. So it's not the same thing. But like I said, conceptually, it's it's that it's, you know, uh, whether business development, you know, organizational development, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, Are they, um, so we touched on music, film, um, Books, publishing. Is there any other industry that you are, you know, um, uh, interested in venturing into, or? Um, I actually, I mean, I would uh, like to do some more in fashion. I've only dabbled in the past, where maybe it was like setting up some events or, or some endorsement deals or right, something. Right. But um, you know, there's a, a close friend of mine that I watched uh, start his career in fashion, and and I've seen a couple other companies that was just kind of indirectly connected to, and it's always interested me, man, and like. Actually, even if I take you way back to when I was at the label, trying to think about where I see myself, how I'm going to kind of get out of there. I mean, I, I, I rose pretty high within like the, my first two years working at the record label. It was a small company, it's an indie company, so mm-hmm. I already felt like, okay, well, now what, you know? So, right, right, right. But um, at that time, uh, Echo, you know, the clothing company at that time, like, they really were blowing up. Um, and I was looking at Echo, like they were sending us free clothes, I'm sending them free records, you know, whatever. But as I'm looking at that, I'm like, wow, I'm sending you this, you know, $12 record for free. You're sending me these $60 jeans for free, you know? Hmm. And I was just realizing, and actually, same time, I'll tell you two other things that happened. Uh, Spider-Man, the movie, it was probably, I don't know, part one, part two, whatever it was. It broke a record in DVD sales the weekend it came out. Okay. It was just, like I said, this is years back when I was there at the label. And maybe they made like $11 million in a weekend, something like that. Uh, and then shortly after that, just to tie one more thing was Rockstar Games had Grand Theft Auto. Mm. Huge, huge again. Like, you know, at that time, just broke a record in sales. Yeah. And I realized, like, music is is really a very small, you know, profit margin compared to the margins on video games and fashion. Yeah, like, and I realized, like, man, I maybe picked the wrong thing, you know? Like, <laughs> that, that was part of my motivation to kind of diversify the stuff I'm working on. And, mm. you know, it would be great to work on the game. You know, I mean, I'm probably, I don't know if I'm aging out of the video game industry, but, you know, nah. um, I love uh, gaming. I love, I said, the the amount of money we made there. And, and uh, you know, it's it's still a fun industry. I still love it. Um, and again, in fashion, too, I mean, you know, you're making these jeans for like $13, selling for $80. And, you know, mm-hmm. brand value holds so much more weight with fashion than it would in music, you know? So, um, yeah, but that would be where I'm interested in some of those other industries where yes. I said, and, and again, now, when music industry, I felt like the money was drying up, you know, film was a great one that kind of opened up to me. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And like mm-hmm. then, still a lot of money to be made in film. And the book thing, you know, we stumbled on that. It was an accident, but welcomed, you know? And um, 
and yeah, like now with this tech thing, you know, with my app, like I said, if if that leads to a lot of money, that's great. But that was just something I, I really wanted to do. Yeah. Tell know? us a bit more about the app, man. Is a uh, Plum Radio? Yeah, Plum Radio. I mean, it's it's available in the App Store in, in Google and, and iOS. It's it's pretty much our uh, you know you call it a, a beta version. Um, it, it has the basic functions of what we want, and now we're basically building a team up, and you know, eventually we will look for finance. Which this is really the first project that I've done that. I've, I've, and I've put a lot of my own money into Plum Radio, but uh, everything I've done previously has always been, either, whether my money, my partners, like it's been kind of out-of-pocket money. Right. We've never done that kind of pitching thing where we needed someone else's money to take our risks, you know? Right, right. So, you know, but this type of project, it's something where like my money's not going to cut it anymore, you know? It's like I want to do bigger than that and do something more. So uh, the concept of Plum Radio... Um, you know, aside from the on-demand streaming services like Spotify and, you know, Tidal, looking more like Pandora, where radio is, mm -hmm. uh, Plum Radio is the first quality over quantity streaming model. That's the way I describe it, because, you know, all of these tech companies came with the concept of the more content, the better, the more songs, the better, you know, and they created a system that required an algorithm to run. They couldn't possibly hire as many people as they need, or, you know, the, the way that they looked at it was just, well, just content, 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 will be mm -hmm. good. Um, I don't treat music that way because, you know, from a record label perspective, you don't sign everything that walks in the door, just throw it out and just see what happens. You know, there's a process there, a sort of a selective process. Um, the other thing, you know, for me being that, uh, and this is just something others can disagree with, but all of Flamingo's content is programmed by professional DJs. Okay. And when I say DJ and someone else says DJ, they might mean something different. Mm -hmm. But when I use that term, it's a professional title that someone earns. It's not something you can just call yourself. Word. And I know, you know, a lot of startups and companies, they kind of throw that word around like, oh, come be your own DJ. Mm -hmm. To me, I, and I, I usually use the comparison of, of a chef and a cook, you know, and a lot of us cook. It doesn't make us chefs, mm -hmm. you know. So a lot of us can make playlists and, you know, maybe you're good at doing mixtapes for your girl and all that, you know, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> Not a DJ, Ron. It's because you make her, her balance Look, a mixtape. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to send out this iTunes uh, playlist. Thanksgiving playlist. <laughs> so, I mean, and, you know, and it, there's, you know, there's value in, in some of the social sites, but what I, I kind of feel like, like, in a sense, they're, they're crowdsourcing uh, music, you know? Right. For us, it's, you know, DJs can't sign up with Plum Radio. We sign DJs, you know, and we make sure that they understand what it means to be a DJ and that they've paid their dues to where they understand the science behind it. Mm -hmm. Because, and again, you know, we're all different, but if I walk into a club and there's just some guy playing music, I know right away and I'll leave. I can't, I can't support that guy. I can't, I can't stand on that dance floor knowing what's happening, you know what I mean? And, and yet, you know, there's a DJ, and, and this is actually one of the things, I, like one of the first questions I ask the DJs I want to get uh, onto Plum Radio, I'm just asking, like, are you the kind of guy that shows up to the club with his playlist, you know, or, you know, you, you get there, the kind of have a vibe, but then you, you got to see what's going on, you know what I mean, you don't know what time of night this happens, what people are wearing, and, you know, you can never really know, so you might have a little rough sketch of what you're going to do that night, but, you know, a real DJ, man, he has all kinds of music in his laptop, he doesn't, you know, and... Yeah. I mean, it's great, too. I mean, just knowing some of the guys that have been here long enough to where they had to carry crates and they had to invest a lot of money and equipment, mm -hmm. that's when, you know, everybody couldn't be a DJ. Yeah. So it's like you have you need a relationship with labels, like you need to buy a lot of equipment. But, um, yeah, obviously nowadays anybody can just wake up tomorrow and say, okay, I'm a DJ. Um, 
And, you know, we have some young guys, too, but I feel like they're young people that really take the craft seriously. So Plum Radio pretty much filters um, the real DJs from the thing. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, when you look at all of the programming that you can get out there, or now they use the term curation. So all the, all the curated music that you have, it's either based from an algorithm, which is saying that this, you know, robot can do a human's job, you know, okay. Um, or it's what they would call professionals or experts, but that's where we disagree because they feel that a, a blogger or like a, a music professor from Berkeley are experts. Mm -hmm. I don't really agree with that. I feel like they may be experts in the, you know, concept of music, but the, you know, concept of programming or curation is something that requires real life experience. Yeah, right. So, you know, like I said, when I spend every weekend in a club, you know, working with real people and seeing real reactions and playing music and you know these guys that tour around to different markets i mean like i said all of our djs they do this all every day you know right. and so and doing it for years that's to me an expert you know so yeah I mean, we are the only ones nice. there's no other company how many djs do you have on there now it's, it's about 35 guys it's like nice. consistent are you, are you looking for more can people reach uh, out to you to oh absolutely i mean we, we we are looking for more um and again, as I said, the app is new, but uh, prior to the app launching, uh, Plum Radio has a, a deal as a content partner with Harmon. Um, nice. Harmon's in the news recently. Samsung just bought it. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, Samsung just paid $8 billion for, uh, for Harmon. Yeah. That's crazy. Cash. So, I mean, yeah, the, the deal, I mean, it's still going on. It's going to be a long one. Even the transition itself is probably going to take two years, yeah. I would imagine. Oh, yeah. um, and coincidentally, the first company, the tech company that I mentioned that I did the mixes for, mm -hmm. Samsung bought them in 2012. Crazy. So they're following me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Somebody following me. Yeah, uh, but uh, Harman has uh, a big automotive division, and, mm -hmm. and within that division, they own a company called AHA. Mm -hmm. And AHA is their sort of, uh, you know, within the connected cars, AHA is the infotainment and like the, you know, the apps and the content that you can access through your dash in your car. Right. Um, so we are a content partner with AHA. We've been doing that even before the Plum Radio app. So that's in over 4 million cars on the road right now. That's that tremendous. We have an actual button for AHA. You can access Plum Radio. Nice. So, you know, our app is something, obviously, that we're, we're pushing and growing. But, yeah, but it's active now because of AHA and because of the other hey, I, One thing I do want to ask you about the app, because, um, so while, I guess, is it like a live um, app where I guess the DJs that are spinning because are they spinning live or are they creating uh, mixes and then they're posting it so like this is the mix for the day yeah okay yeah, uh, right is, now there, is, is there um, a ways for them to is it like for them to be able to engage with their prospective audience to see when they're Absolutely. peaking and yeah, when and they're I, not doing so well like I said that and that it takes a mind of music to know how important that is. Mm -hmm. And and when you go to some of these other websites and give give a DJ a heart or a thumbs up, it doesn't do anything. It's not right. helping, you know. But yeah, what we what we did create to, to solve that problem and uh, it's just it's just it's a request system that is similar to you coming up to the DJ booth at the club, like, hey, I want to hear this song. Mm -hmm. Now he's not gonna play it right there, he's gonna stop his set and play it for you, but you know, when 10 people, 20 people, like, they keep coming up about this song, he knows that, man, I wasn't going to play that song tonight, but these guys, you know, just so happens. So our request system we, comes up with the top 10 most requested records on each channel. 
And based on that channel, those top 10 records, the DJ has his guideline for what he's going to mix. Yo, that that sounds kind of me like, I don't know if you remember the the box, the music video station that used to come over. Yeah. You could just like request yeah. and it'll, you'll see like the, the number, but the only Which thing video that's... You gonna pick? Yeah. But the difference is that it's not like a, a pay for play. Is it a pay for play no, model? Never. Not no. eat? Okay. Never. And, and I, I, you know, artists can send us music right now. Mm. We have an email address. I mean, it's inside the app. You can see the instructions on how to send it. Mm. But there's an email address for artists to send music. It's the easiest music service to submit music to. And like, this know, is just any artist any that's artist. coming. I mean, you know, wow. I mean, if they own the music, obviously. Well, yeah, because I'm like, yeah. that, that could be like yeah. a licensing nightmare. Yeah. Well, like, you know, yeah. in the end of the day, um, yeah, like people who need to know that they own their rights to their, to their music and not mm. just, you know, create something and say, I'm going to send it. But the good thing for us, you know, it's a non-interactive service. Right. We don't need direct licenses. Excuse me. Um, but if an artist sends us music, it goes to the DJs. You know, it's not, a, we don't even tell the DJs, oh, you got to play this record. Like, you can't get into Plum Radio like that. But if the DJs like it, they might play it. Now, if they don't like it, you can still have your, your song requested because any any song in the library can be requested at any time. Mm. So even if you're not in rotation, that's how you can get into rotation. Right. You know, and the good thing there is like, you know, DJs aren't always up on every single record or even if a couple of guys like it and play it a little bit, they're not sure if you like it. Mm. But next thing you know, let's say, for example, you're like the biggest artist in your high school and we got a thousand kids requesting your song on radio and it's like, you know, Drake is number one and you're number two on the mm. chart. We're like, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the good thing there is like, you know, think about once the DJs see it, now they're playing the record more, now other people are hearing the record more. But now, you know, after you're on that chart for a few weeks, next thing you know, you're at an AR meeting and you're like, hey man, like these qualified DJs, not just some random site like Mixcloud where you know anybody can submit mixes. Mm-hmm. This site where professionals have been playing our song has been on the charts for the last few weeks. It proves a few things. The industry behind you, your DJs are behind you. But the users obviously are feeling you because you can't just waltz into that chart, you know? It, it's so, requested. So Yeah, these yeah, are yeah, actual yeah. real requests. And we limit the requests. People have 25 requests a day. So it's, it's not something you can just nice. sit there all day and like, you right, know, because right, right, right. I'm sure somebody eventually is going to try that, you know? I was going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> just to test the system. And, um, yeah, so I feel like we just kind of came up. That's why I say it's quality over quantity. And we came up with the most specific way where there's kind of system of checks and balances to where right. we're checking the DJs who come in the door. Those DJs are checking that music catalog. When they look at it, that music catalog is being checked by the users, you know? Nice. So directly, you know, from top to bottom, it's like just really about quality. Like, Yo, that's tremendous. Send you, some, uh, send you some DJs that I think would be really cool for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to, because I know you got to get out of here. Um, my last question really to you is, you, you're you somebody who's mastered doing what you love for a living, getting a paycheck for it. Um, what advice can you give to anybody, any kid who, who has um, a platform of interest, you know what I mean, yeah. and um, feel like they can thrive in each one? What advice would you give someone like that? Um, I think mainly what I come across, what, what you know, seems to be maybe where somebody could use a, use a push is don't, that whole, you know, uh, jack of all trades, but master of nothing, like, that's a curse, especially with entrepreneurs and, and especially in entertainment, it seems like people call me and like, oh, I'm going to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, and they're not making money from any of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, you should do all of that and keep certain things in your pocket and, and, you know, but one, don't hang on to anything too hard. If it didn't work or if it's not right there at your fingertips, you know, prioritize what you're doing. Because that way, you said, once you have income, 
you shouldn't be struggling at this. And I, I said, I, I, I know some entrepreneurs, I guess they, you know, sleeping on the train is what motivates them. I don't know, you know, like, and that, you know, like I said, not to knock anybody the way that they get to where they have to go. I like to be comfortable. So, you know, I make sure that I have income, I make sure that what I'm working on, the stuff that makes money is there. It's important to me. And I maintain that while I chase these other things. Yeah. I've never, you know, put everything on the line. I've never been in debt, like never, you know, where, and not to say that can't work, like I said, but for me, um, I feel like going at it with that process, is, it's safe. You're taking your risk, you're investing your money, but you're not putting your life on the line for it at the same time. So I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you have to. Um, you know, that makes a lot of sense, man. That's a, a, interestingly enough, that's the second time in the last five days that I've heard that same message. Like, you got to know when to pack it up, when to adjust your business model, yeah. when to... You know, because you got to sense the the spirit of the times and yeah. know where you're at. Listen always, to yeah. Take advice. Listen, you know, talk to people, and, yeah. and you know, the, the the best advice can come from something you didn't even expect. I mean, when I when I come up with even any kind of idea, or I'm like just working on something, I'm getting opinions from people in all different kinds of businesses, mm. intentionally knowing like me and this person never agree, or like this person knows nothing about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to hear. I just want to know because that's the kind of thing that can move you. You know, and. They, they say, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of books and like looking for random inspiration, you know, they talk about just, you know, find out if what you're doing is right. Like, don't just be so cocky as like, nah, this is the one I know. You right, know what I mean? Like, right, right. I just, you know, said you could be lucky sometimes with that, but I think it's better to kind of see. It's better you know, to be good than lucky. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a great way to say it. I dig and, that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, and yeah, like I said, walk away from something if you have to look for red flags, like. You know, sometimes you don't want to see them, you know, but yeah. it's, it's there and there's something else you can do. And honestly, the way I look at it, like if that's your only idea, if it's all you got, you're in the wrong business anyway, mm. you know? So, so I can let go of anything I'm doing. I got 10 other things I could go on to, you know, it doesn't matter. That's tough. So, but, um, gotcha. yeah, that's what I would say. Hey, man, um, where, where can we find you on the uh, socials or if anybody would like to reach uh -huh. out to you to, uh. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, through all the Plum Radio channels on social media, it's always at Plum Radio, uh, slash Plum Radio, whatever. And I said, you can go right to the app, and, and the emails are there, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, team is small enough, I'm, I'm going to see it. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's probably the best way. Yeah. That's what's up. Man, Dustin, I want to thank you for your time and, and those yeah. gems and, and sharing your experience, man. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. I thought me and you were going to argue about something. We didn't even argue. There, nah, not this time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hopefully. Oh, about that, that whole shit, man. <laughs> yeah. I came in here with the intention of, like, I'm disagreeing with whatever this guy is. <laughs> That's why. So it's still upon you. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Maybe next time. Yeah, like we always say, this time, my brother tried. Stay driven. Stay driven, y'all.